Welcome to the Telford Minster podcast. Thank you for joining us and listening along. Our vision is to make Jesus known in Telford. And we hope that your attention is grabbed by Jesus today and what he is doing in your life. This autumn, we are looking at the series, Pray, Prayers of the People. Looking through the Bible at some of the most powerful prayers and scriptures, the lasting effects on God's people and how God is responding to and fulfilling those prayers and promises in our lives today. We hope that this series encourages you, your prayer life and your growing relationships with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, would you teach us from your word? Would you be speaking to us? Would you be leading us where you want us to go? Would you not hold back? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're new or you're wondering who this is in front of you, my name's Matt Beer. I am the vicar of Telford Minster. Um, and I don't normally dress like this. So uh, don't worry. Someone has not cloned me and brought me in front of you dressed like a vicar. Um, but I've been in Central Telford Parish most of the day uh, having the most amazing time. Uh, speaking at Holy Trinity Dorley this morning and then at St. Leonard's Mallinsley and then doing a baptism in the afternoon. What greater fun can you have on a Sunday than, than speaking and sharing God's word with people and sharing his love for them? Um, I, think it's, I think it's pretty good. But today we're looking at Solomon's prayer. We've been journeying through some of the most amazing prayers through the scriptures. We've looked at Moses and we've looked at Hannah. We've looked at um, all these amazing prayers where God comes and intervenes as normal people pray. And today, Solomon, just a random normal bloke who happens to be king of Israel, prays a prayer that changes the world. And so my question to us today is, what if God answers our prayer? What if God answers your prayer? Not the, you know, oh Lord, where are my keys? Or could I find the car parking space? Or, you know, could I have an extra £10,000 in my bank account kind of prayer? But a prayer like we just heard Tam and Jem read, God, would you come? Would you dwell among us? Would you heal the land? Would you hear from heaven, forgive our sin and heal our land? What if he answered that? Just think for a moment, what would your family look like? What would your neighbours look like? What would your kids look like? What would Telford look like? Because it wouldn't look like it does today. Remarkable change. But isn't that what God's asked us to do? Pray. Seek his face. And see what he has to do. My prayer for Telford is that we'd have uh, a complete renewal and reformation. Renewal, the spirit comes and completely... Uh, stirs the church up again and again and again to look like Jesus. 
and renewal that the structures of the church and the town and the city never look the same again. There's the spiritual with renewal or revival as we call it and the reformation of everything that goes on. Not just for Telford but for the nation. Wouldn't that be amazing? And that's kind of what Solomon does here. He prays. And, and God does amazing things. How many of us, though, have ever been to a music festival? Anyone? That's pitiful. You guys need to get out more. There was about half the hands up in the room. But we've got to get out more. Can you imagine the crowd of people there? The noise of a music festival, you know, 50,000 people there. Can you imagine the temperature, all those sweaty bodies around, the temperature goes up at least 10 degrees, the smell, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty grim, but the anticipation of that headline act coming on. Everyone's there, ready for that person. And the excitement that comes. Maybe a little bit like a picture that's about to appear. <laughs> Some of you might actually have gone there. No, maybe not. But imagine what it must be like for that person there in the front row. Pretty amazing. 50,000 people at their back, all singing, we want to break free. Pretty cool. And with that in mind, let's go back almost 3,000 years. Back to 957 BCE. The temple has just been finished. The last bits of stone are in there. Solomon, the king, is standing there on a box, 2.3 meters long, 2.3 meters wide, and 1.4 meters high, made of pure bronze, one of the most precious metals in ancient times. Even that is like, wow, look at this. And then they're right at the centre of the outer court in the temple. And... Oh, it doesn't look like that back in, in 957. The, the building that's blue with the gold top in the middle isn't there in uh, 957. There is a temple of Solomon, which was a big square building, but that is roughly the footprint of... Uh, what the temple and the courts would have been. So imagine that filled with all the people of Israel. The crowd, the noise, the temperature, the smell, the anticipation, the excitement. Men, women, children. But instead of music, prayer. Instead of music, Prayer. Prayer that God would come and dwell among them. 
instead of music and alcohol and sex that's in our modern festivals, at the center of this festival is prayer and dedication. Can you imagine the whole of the nation in prayer? What would that do? If prayer changes us as an individual when we pray, imagine what the prayer would be over the nation. It might look a little bit like this. This is from uh, World War II. On the 23rd of May, King George requested that the following Sunday should be observed as a national day of prayer. Late on the Saturday evening, the military decision was taken to evacuate as many possible of the Allied forces. On the Sunday, the nation devoted itself to prayer in an unprecedented way. Eyewitnesses and photographs confirm overflowing congregations in places of worship across the land. Long queues formed outside cathedrals. The same day, an urgent request went out for boats of all sizes and shapes to cross the English Channel to rescue the besieged army, a call ultimately answered by about 800 vessels. Yet, even before the praying began... Curious events were happening. In a decision, in a decision that, in, that infuriated his generals and still baffles historians, Hitler ordered his army to halt. Had they continued to fight, had they continued to fight, the destruction of the Allied forces would have been inevitable, and the war would have taken a different and more darker, terrible path. Yet for three days, the German tanks and soldiers stood idle. While the, evacuated, while the evacuation unfolded. Not only so, bad weather on the Tuesday grounded the Luftwaffe, allowing Allied soldiers to march unhindered to the beaches. In contrast, on the Wednesday, the sea was an extraordinarily calm, making the perilous evacuation less hazardous. By the time the German army was finally ordered to renew its attack, over 338,000 troops had been snatched from the beaches, including 140,000 French, Belgian, Dutch and Polish soldiers. Many of them were to return four years later to liberate Europe. That was the last time the nation was called to prayer. Here, King Solomon calls a nation to pray. Come, God, come and fill this place that we've named for yourself. Come and live among us. Come and dwell among us. Come now, Holy Spirit, and live with us. So what were the sort of things he prayed? Well, there are a number of things. Firstly, that God would remember his promise. His promise to King David, Solomon's father, that there would be a successor on the throne if they walk according to your law. Now, maybe that was a little bit of a, you know, self-serving prayer. Come on, Solomon. But this family were faithful to God. And God said, come on, 
I will do this. And even though they went into exile, even though things went terribly wrong for Israel, actually a successor was always on the throne. In case you don't know, Jesus comes from the line of David. Jesus, you know the guy we've been singing about? He's a descendant of David and of Solomon. He's not just sat on a king in Israel, but king of the whole world. Amazing. What else? God, even heaven can't contain you, so how will this temple hold you in? This temple that's being created by human hands, how can we, how can we hold you in, God? How much more so 950-something years later that a womb holds in the king of kings? temple comes and God comes and dwells there but almost a thousand years later a womb of a teenage girl plays host to the king of kings he prays God would you heal hear us hear Solomon's prayer and forgive Solomon in this prays for himself as well and sometimes it's necessary to pray for ourselves. If you haven't prayed for yourself, give it a go. It's great. You don't need prayer ministry from someone up at the front. Pray for yourself at the back. It's wild. Because we are all broken. We all do wrong. We all need forgiveness. And God hears us. He hears our prayer to to know him more, to be more like Jesus, to transform our society. And he's saying, God, come and dwell in this temple. When people pray towards the temple, which is in Jerusalem, which is east of here, then all these things happen. Hear from heaven, forgive sin, and heal the land. Believe it or not, it's why most churches face east, because of this passage. Interesting, isn't it? I think probably Church of England builders probably went a little bit too far. But hey, it's here, so let's do it. But they've missed the point. Because all of a sudden, we don't have to face the temple which is east. Guess what? We are the temple of God. How often do we, as God's faithful people, forget that? We think God's over there. God's in an old, smelly stone building. He's in you. Yes, even you, Ian. It's okay. He's in us. Each one of us. But we forget it so often. He then goes on, when your neighbours have got it wrong and there's disagreement. Anyone had a disagreement with a neighbour before? Great, no one's owning up to that or maybe just a few are. Come, bef God, let's come before you at this temple and would you judge between us? So often we want to become the judge, don't we? But here Solomon's saying, God, you be the judge. 
not me. God, you alone know what's right and wrong. So you be the judge among us. So often we want to be the judge. We want to be the arbiter of justice. But that alone belongs to God. When we're defeated by an enemy because of sin, bring them back into the land. Now, for a lot of us, we spent 15 weeks in uh, Nehemiah not that long ago. And all of these things should have been ringing all the bells within you. Hang on. They've been sent into exile because they keep chasing after the foreign gods that were around the Israelites at the time. And guess what? God brought them back from Babylon into the promised land to rebuild the temple. Which, again, without the blue building with the gold top, uh, there would have been another temple in there that was destroyed by the Romans uh, in AD 70. Come and bring us back to the land. Israel came back from Babylon into the land. Why? Because four blokes, and probably a few others, faced towards Jerusalem every day and prayed. We can read them in Daniel. They prayed, God, send us back. Next we see when there's no rain. When there's no rain, when God shuts up the heaven because they're of the sin of the people. Then Solomon prays, teach them the right way, God, and bring rain. And we see that just a little bit later in 2 Kings. When Elijah prays and rain comes, there's a, a, a small cloud the, the size of a, a hand on the horizon and he lifts up his robes and he legs it because there's a sound of heavy rain coming. God answers these prayers. When there's a famine or plague or blight or mildew, locust or grasshopper or enemies... I don't know if you were kind of thinking that. Hang on. Famine, plague, blight, mildew, locust, grasshopper, and all the enemies that might be there. When anyone prays, hear from heaven, forgive and judge so that they'll fear the Lord and walk in obedience. Wow. And there are plagues and there are famines and there's blight and there's mildew. Locusts and grasshoppers... Not so much. But disaster is averted and God comes and heals the land. Listen to this bit, which is really interesting. When a foreigner who's not an Israelite comes, answer their prayer. Hang on, hang on, hang on, God. But you're supposed to be the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel. Why would you answer the prayers of those who don't belong to your people? You're our God. But remember, the whole purpose of the Israelites is to be a kingdom of priests, to share God with the other nations so that they might know him. How often do we now, 3,000 years later from this prayer, go, we don't want other people to come in because if they do, it'll change how we do things. 
let them come. Even though they may not be the same as you. Hear their prayer and answer it. Do whatever they ask, Solomon says, so that all people will know your name. When your people go to war, uphold their cause. But when they sin, bring them back, hear them and forgive. So those are nine separate points. Nine almost individual prayers that Solomon prays that we can see all from this point in scripture all the way through. But now, God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. God, would you hear us? God, would you hear our prayer? Would you hear my prayer, Solomon's saying? Why? Because prayer is important and it changes the prayer and the surrounding people around them. Come to your resting place with the Ark of the Covenant, which is what they carried through the desert, through all the years of their captivity. I mean, all the years that they went from slavery into the promised land. They carried this ark, a box, with two angels on it, called the mercy seat, surrounded in gold, carried by two poles. That was a sign of God's presence. And so they came with the ark of the covenant into the temple as a, remi- as a reminder of all of those times. May your priests be clothed with salvation and don't reject my prayer and remember your promise. So that was the prayer he prayed. Now, I don't know about you, but in this reading, it sounds like the answer to prayer happened immediately. We don't know how long they waited How long have we been waiting for prayer to be answered? Those prayers that are deep within us, that we go, God, answer our prayer. God, come and intervene. God, come and change our nation. God, come and heal our land. But have we turned to him and said, God, what do you want? How long... Solomon waited, we don't know. But the very next verse says this. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good and his love endures forever. He is good and his love endures forever. Fire comes down and consumes the offerings that they had already brought. His uh, fire represents holiness. 
And if you think back through the Bible, uh, we see fire at the burning bush. We see fire leading God's people towards the promised land. He brings a covenant with them. We, we see fire as a sign of covenant. We see it in Abraham's journey of when God says, I will be your people, I will be your God and you'll be my people. I will make you like a nation, like the stars in the sky and the sea, the sand on the seashore. A covenant and fire, a burning pot comes and burns between God and Abraham as a sign of God's promise. It's an answer to Solomon's prayer. God, you promised this. And God's saying, here I am. And thirdly, fire is a sign of consecration. And without realising it, Steph actually read it out earlier. You read it from the Joel 2 passage, but we see it in, we see it in Pentecost. Fire comes and burns up and consecrates the, the church, makes them holy. And the glory of the Lord comes, that weight or heaviness. Now, you know, it's not about, oh, I'm naked, not that kind of heaviness. But a sense of his being right there with you. You know God is in the room. And we see that like Moses on Sinai. Or a cloud coming and covering the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. See, the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord comes when we ask. Because God comes and dwells among his people here. He comes and does it. Fire, the weight of his presence, everyone worships. But let's fast forward a thousand years and let's fast forward to now. When we come to faith, this happens too. Now, some of you guys are going, what? Remember, the temple is no longer, well, it's no longer there. We are now the temple of God. And every time someone comes to faith, what does God do? He comes and sets his dwelling place up in your life. Our sin is burnt up by the holiness that Jesus brings. We become whiter than snow, the scriptures tell us. The fire of the covenant is restored in us. He comes and dwells within us. We are his people and he is our God. And he'll never leave us. He gives us his spirit as an as a inheritance, saying, you'll be with me forever. And there's also a consecration. There's also the consecration that happens. He dwells within us. He makes us holy. And it all starts with prayer. I don't know why we just don't spend all of our time praying. So what about us then? Can we see that in our lives? Do we know the fire of his presence burning within us? 
burning up our sin, making us to be more like Jesus? Do we know of his covenant of love with us that was bought with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross? Does he make everywhere you go holy because you are there? Because that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. So why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Maybe not as long a prayer as Solomon prayed. Actually, why don't we stand? You've been sat for a long time and your bums are probably square on the pews. Let me just read out this prayer from Catherine Booth, who was the co-founder of the um, Salvation Army. There we go. Well done, Pauline. A barracks is meant to be a place where real soldiers were to be fed and equipped for war, not a place to settle down in or as a comfortable snuggery in which to enjoy ourselves. I hope that if they ever, our soldiers, do settle down, God would burn their barracks over their heads. Let me read that again. A barracks is meant to be a place where real soldiers were to be fed and equipped for war. Not a place to settle down in or as a comfortable snuggery in which to enjoy themselves. I hope that if ever they, our soldiers, do settle down, God would burn their barracks over their heads. God, would you come and burn the barracks over our heads where your church has become a comfortable snuggery. Come and burn it up. Lord, we've got no time for that. There are people in Telford who are hungering and thirsting after you. So God, release your church again to go after the lost and the hurting and the sick and the broken. Those who currently are feeling hopeless around us. Lord, come and burn within us with such a fire that people come and watch us burn. Lord, we don't pray for being comfortable. We don't want to be a comfortable church. We want to be a church that's marked by your fire and your presence and your uh, passion burning within us. And Lord, we will not settle until the whole of Telford is changed. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Like that prayer of Solomon, not to fill a building, 
but to fill a people called by your name who will humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways that you might hear from heaven, forgive us and heal our land. Come and do it again, Lord. So come, fire of God. Would you burn up us, your sacrifice? for listening we hope this time has blessed you hit the subscribe button to hear more like this and to find out more about telford minster follow us at telford minster on instagram and facebook or go to telfordminster.org.uk